Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam, the Is Here Pub Surfer, Morgan. <laughs> is he? Always. Uh, and and, and, who, and, and it, it, who isn't? Include me in that. Who hasn't been the pub surfer? Who hasn't been the pub surfer? Now, we just need to... What is the pub surfer? Let's remind listeners of the pub surfer. So, go on. Well, the pub surfer is the guy or girl mm-hmm. or whoever. Well... Saying yeah. after, let's say, a, a confidence-boosting fourth cold glass of Sagres or Superbock or whatever. Oh, this is good, mate. Or, Come go, on, go around the world. Go, what go, what, go, what go, about go. Um, in Australia? What's the... Ah, uh, VB, mate. VB. Twoies. Pale ale. Feel like a twoies. Um, <laughs> all that stuff. So you've had that. Nice. And um, you're waxing lyrical mm. about... How big a wave you've caught? Yeah. How many times you've been barrelled? Uh, and often, ironically, the quiet bloke you're telling about all these adventures is somebody like Laird Hamilton, just slowly, quietly nodding, sipping yeah. his beer or yeah. his super greens, and saying, "Yeah, I used to surf a bit as well." You know, it's true. Is it? It's such a paradox. There's a pub surfer in everyone. There's a pub surfer in everyone. But everybody knows the biggest pub surf. <laughs> they, and they all do. And you are listening to this now knowing who your pub surfers are. Um, they like to tell a story. And we all do. And listen, uh, you know, how big was the fish? It's an f- old fisherman story. The old fisherman story. Oh, the fish was this big. It was this big. It was this big. The waves, you know, the waves got bigger and bigger. The barrels got bigger and bigger. What The one that I really sniff, the rat that I sniff, is when people tell me barrel stories. Because, big stat this, complete guess in my almost 20 years of surfing experience, about one in a thousand surfers end up reaching a level of being able to truly barrel ride and get deep in the pit and whatever. But when you hear more like kind of one in 15 surfers (laughs) tell you the stories of their barrels, you do do take it with a, a, a sort of... Half the Atlantic Ocean sized piece of salt because. So there I am at cloud break, right? <laughs> it's mental. The, my, some of my favourite barrel stories. I don't know why I just did Billy Conley. Well, then. I don't know either, but is, is the really honest stories like my friend who's from Australia. Well, no, he lives in Australia now, but he went to Fiji with his partner. And if you're listening, Simon, please, please, let me just say thank you for this wonderful story. But he, he, he's, he is not the pub surfer. He's hopefully a little, little bit more like you and I. Told a really honest story. Got there. Legit says he's never been barreled. He's not experienced at barrel riding, and paddled out at cloud break. And he was there for a week. Uh, he's quite a big bloke too. He's six foot four. He's, a, he's an old rugby mate. <laughs> I just laugh at this. So he had been out for no longer than ten minutes, and he took off, went round the corner, saw this horrendous lip, and I think next thing he knew, he was upside down, and his ball was in two. Right, paddles in, done. That's my session over brand new board has been broken in half five minutes later his girlfriend comes in with her nose sat to one side because she smashed it trying to pull into a barrel lip again whack smashed it. her nose hit her board broke her nose she came in <laughs> so within 15 minutes of being at cloud break um the tail was between their legs i think what it is is that we holy we, moly we i dream, mean we dream of the mentawis we dream of cloud break and these spots I'm I'm an okay surfer, so I, I put myself into a fairly okay bracket of having surfed some fairly decent ways and bigger ways and whatever. But I'll give you an example of that sort of gnarliness where I was on a Cornish beach break, where it was, I think it was June this year, and it was a big-ish 
wave. It was coming in at sort of three feet overhead or something. But it went square. It's never the size, is it? It, it, it just it just literally went completely square. And my mate in the channel was screaming to just tuck in. He was he was going barrel. That's Rory. And I just pushed it out. I I got under the lip, looked up. This absolute cavern just starting to, and I just completely bailed instantly. And I would say that's ninety nine percent of surfers who haven't had barrel experience. Well, that's and a, that's the crux of listen, what we're discussing here. We always talk about this. I saw something from somebody the other day talking about that different level. We, we've discussed this loads. Where we, we've had a look at the pub surfer before, and we talked about this thing that most people just don't have had experience, have practiced it enough as well. That's the other thing, right? I am a, I, I am frightened by big waves. I, I always have been. And um, probably that's one of my work on. So, you know, that maybe one day I'll surf a bigger wave than I thought I ever would. However, I've just been watching the 100 foot wave before I came down here with um, Cotty and Garrett McNamara and um, um, the, the guys that surf that out there and all the Portuguese crew. And just they, it, th- those guys are wired differently. Um, so much kind of like ex- ex- extreme adrenaline. Uh, but the idea, knowing what, uh, what knowing knowing the power of a wave that's not very intimidating to most people, the the thought of that, Christ, it just it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, but the barrel thing, like you're saying, and even that, if you can climatize to something, familiarize yourself with it, and then keep practicing it, and you bring it all. Garrett Mc, McNamara was talking about the day he caught. The, the 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 way the one wave that then garnered the attention of the world, you know, world sort of sports press, was was when they said it was the biggest wave ever surfed before it got to the sort of yeah you know, I think it was about eighty odd foot at the time, and he had to recenter himself with his breath before he you know he just wasn't feeling it on the day. Most people listening to this might have watched that uh, documentary um, about surfing Nazareth, and it, it's all relative, isn't it? So his centering back to I, I can do this is 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 mm. that's his version of it doing an it's 80 foot point. wave it's a whereas point. yours might be and mine might be five to six foot a punchy beach break and so but but the idea is it's how not whether you're a, a beginner intermediate advanced it's how many hours of practice have you had at that particular bit of surfing how many hours of practice have you had on a beach break how many hours of pra- practice have you had on a reef break how many it's and you go up from there uh, and most of us certainly need sort of you know, have, have, let's let's say averagey, um, regular-ish surfers, uh, especially in the UK, haven't had any practice of barrels of any significance because we just not don't even, get them. Not even close. It's not even close. It's why I always take my hat off to people who are good locals yeah. um, on some, let's say, the Cornish and Devon beaches, or, or let's say you're listening to this abroad and you just get your, you know, your good beaches, your good points, your good reefs, who do end up becoming... Uh, really good barrel riders when they then go abroad and, and, and whatever um, because they, if they haven't had the practice but then they send themselves into that situation and succeed I, I think that's very very impressive but it's also the power it's of- batting above you you know it's, it's, it's playing above your average it's playing let's say your handicap is 20 but it's playing at 10 yeah do you know what I mean it's anything like that I find really impressive it, it, it's also the power of a practice pra- pra- practice and trying it is. It's entirely practice and trying. Um, Liam's got this lovely situation where he's just by the wall and it's like a squeaky mouse every time we, uh, we move. So if you go like that, dude, we're in my garden right now and Liam uh, hasn't got his balls out. I haven't got my balls out, actually, which is a bit of a shame, to be fair. There we go. Um, I've and moved. I, I'm not I, getting barreled by the fence now. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a little mouse. 
going squeak, squeak, squeak. Um, I think you need to oil your um, recliner. I need your turquoise rec- recliner. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I really do. Was this from Trago Mills or whatever? It, it, the uh... It was not. It was from Sainsbury's. And I wonder if there's Sainsbury's abroad. Would anyone be able to relate to that? Carrefour, you know, oh. that kind of thing. A hyper, hyper mache. And, and oh, no, the, in America, um, Costco. Walmart. A Walmart. What's the one in Australia? Australia is, uh, oh, come on, I, 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 I should know this. We've got family there. They've been talking about it. Can't remember. They had Woolworths that was a sort of... Yeah, they did. A beefed up version of... It did. It's going to come to my... uh, Oh, is it Bonds? Is it called Bonds? I think it is. Anyway. Welcome to Supermarkets of the World podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We made a little slight detour. You were on a thread, Liam. Carry on. And it was talking about... We were talking about the power of practice. And the ability to throw yourself into something. Uh, And this should be... This is kind of for us all to aspire to me particularly say right I haven't tried that but if I have a if I approach this as a I, I am rubbish at this I am prepared to be completely and utterly embarrassed to make a bit of a fool of myself my version of that you know who cares um, but I'm going to have a go and I'm going to learn and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to try and try and try again I think that's where people can humans have the capacity to do anything if they set their mind to it Every single one of us. 100%. Every one of us. 100%. Whether you want to or not is a different w- kettle of fish. And whether altogether. you want to or not is a different thing. And also, I've got to be very careful that my inner coach um, doesn't come out in the sea as often as I may want it to, because it does, it just naturally, you know, there was an encounter where I was talking with someone the other day and we were discussing, <clears throat> you know, boards and waves and things. And I offered a couple of uh, pointers and bits of balls. When the person had not asked for it, um, which I don't like. No one likes that. Everyone hates that. And I'm doing it. To, I'm doing it to this poor bloke. Who doesn't love a bit of unsolicited advice? Unsolicited advice. Oh, oh did you? Did I ask for this? No. So can you shut the fuck up? Yes, I can, please. But I, I did. I came away from the beach going, hmm, because we're always learning. And it was a real like, oh, I did. I was doing that. I was doing it in my very friendly way. But it was still advice. Did they have their middle finger up in a friendly way as you paddled away? <laughs> <laughs> when I paddled away, I dread to think. But there listen, was a there was a Harry Enfield character like that back in well the day. Well said, there was for, for for British listeners, and I know we have. We'll do a little YouTube a, on now this. a global audience because it's uh, we get the stats every week all over the place. Very interesting. I know. Some of the we'll do a little YouTube on this Harry Enfield. So go on. Who was this it? character that would say? pop up in situations like this yep. generally to offer some form of unsolicited advice and he yes. would say oh you don't want to do it like that <laughs> you want to do it like this yes that is exactly what he said i was i was harry enfield yeah and it was about like board volume and you know what you're trying to do and i'm like oh where was i where, where where was my ego when i was being told by, i think it was my brother and he was offering unsolicited advice about board volume and I, I didn't want to hear it because I hadn't asked for it in hindsight I was able to I'm able to now look back and go hmm oh what's that an oh, Almeric flyer ooh you don't want to be riding an Almeric flyer <laughs> you want to be riding a lost Honestly, puddle jumper it would be really funny can you imagine there being a you, the, the person who does that who's got this great voice who you've done a great impersonation of goes round lineups around the world in a little speedboat yeah, with all the right boards, quote unquote, in the back and then brrr, pulls over. Ah, 
ah, you don't want to be riding that. She <laughs> just grabs it off, grabs that board off the... That's way too thin. <laughs> On the bovling thing. No, it doesn't have to be an Australian, but it just that just ju- voice came it out. It just happens. It happens. To, whenever I do an accent, I tend to... It always goes Australian. But no, it's... We don't want that. N- nobody uh, wants that. Um... And we all get it wrong. The only way to get it right is to is to work out what you got wrong. And I think board volume is probably right up there, isn't it? It's interesting though, because we both, you and I, have gone back down again, which has been a really interesting thing. My my new uh, JS Big Baron 6.8 um, is 41 litres, which I know is a fair few litres because my puddle jump was 39. But in a 6.8, it's a thinned out piece of kit. And when you press on rail, it responds, I mean... A, it's incredible. It responds like a shortboard, especially with a 20 in the back. And I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed that slicing, knifey, penetrative feel recently. <laughs> Interesting word to use. Here it goes. <laughs> My 6.8JS has been penetrating um, really well. But it, no, I think, so I've, got the, I've gone, gone back down again, but, but the, the big one on board volume for me was when I went from what I was riding as my performance fishes that were really quite low in volume for me because I'm 91, 92 in a wetsuit. Uh, and back when, six, seven years ago, before Puddle Jumper, I, I was riding 32 to 34 litre kind of high performance fishes. Pretty small, pretty small. So they were six O's. They were like 19, three quarter by, or 20 by two and three eighths and so on. And then I remember hanging out with Tom Eagle. If you're listening to the show, Tom, hey, and he was on this just incredible looking piece of kit. It was the original puddle jumper. And it blew my mind what he was doing on the wave in, in junky waves. And from that moment on, when I got that board, I started kind of learning how to surf. If I'm really honest, all of my navigation up to that point had been never really riding yes. back to the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Our main objective in surfing is to be able to take off looking down the line you make your first bottom turn you come back and round and hit back to the pocket then you're really surfing and you feel this beautiful flow of power and you're staying near the power pocket in the wave and the joy of it goes through the roof and that's what we're kind of after and i really up to that point was was still a down the line surfer but my ego did not think so no, good, i did not think that i'd love to hear about everybody's version of that because there are so many different, we talk about it walking through the door into the next room of progress, whatever you're learning, right? Um, it's like me with my kind of half played guitars at home that, you know, sometimes I can sort of learn a new thing, taught myself and occasionally think, oh, I can't play that or I can't do that. And then you try something and you're like, oh, actually that works for me, by the way, not for an audience, but I'm happy with the progress. And the same is for surfing. I can remember even those moments of going from, and in Saunton, when I had got this, like my first mini mile from uh, Graham Bunt, the uh, surf, the original surfed out shop, told me this uh, Graham Bunt mini mile, which is still in my garage. It's a brilliant, beautiful board, actually. Great board, though. Great rails. And I remember the first time I got a little bit of trim and lift on that. I can remember the wave. I can remember going left uh, and feeling this sense of, oh, this is like light. This is down the line surfing. Uh, and so that feeling, the first time I, do, I did like what, my version, by the way, not a, not a judged, scored version of a decent cutback to the foam on the, probably on the Luke Short where I felt that was really like round. 
20 years later, you know, and that moment of joy is like, oh, oh, that's it. That's what it feels like. And then you've got to say, well, can I keep doing that? Can I repeat that? And, and, or you get a little bit of floater on the top of a wave and then drop back down on something. That might be a different sort of board, but yeah, you're right. So, and often it's you, you know, not the board, but it, occasionally you connect with a board so well that it helps you do the things you've been trying to do more easily. 100%. Um, but those memories are so fixed. Oh, I love it. And, and, and you'll, you'll have these memories with you when you're old and grey and, and you're on your deathbed. Like that's... We, we, you, I know you're listening to this show and you're nodding when I say that these are the memories that really you take with you. Those, those sudden moments in this incra- crazy awesome sport of surfing where you're just... You, you, it's so difficult but you're so into it and you so want to get better and you're just in this beautiful nature and it just clicks and there's this sort of magical feel to it. And those feelings, they live with you forever and those memories live with you forever. I mean, a lot of surfers will be able to tell you very, very clearly their, their best surfing memories. That's a, great, that's a great sport to have in your it's life. It's because you've looked through the window of the here and now. It's flow, isn't it? it the contentment, the contentment that comes from that moment of flow is... Uh, and it's a cliche and it's, it's, it's cheesy or whatever you want to, but it is priceless. The, the, you, the, there is no money. We've talked about, in inverted commas, millionaire surfing, right? Those moments where you're just, you're just with good people in a quiet place, surfing great waves, your version of great waves, whatever that might be. And those moments, you cannot buy them. So you're right, you know, those memories when you lie on that bed and think, oh God, I really remember that X amount of pounds I made or dollars I made. Whoa, that was great. Some people, maybe that's your thing, but you, it's like, what are the moments where you entered that state of absolute clarity, here and now, presence of being connected as like a human being, not a doing, as we've said before, with something that is almost mystical and unexplainable. And for me, just following on from that a little bit in terms of memories and money and surfing, some of my memories will be of, of board, pu- board purchases. And it's a funny one, this, because it is material stuff. Um, and I think a lot of surfers, if not most, if not all maybe, would agree that it's, it's because of what it's going... It's, it's, do you know what it is? It's come into your life, this new board. And the reason why it's so exciting, the reason why you protect it more than you'd protect your own children... <laughs> um, which Liam's nodding at going, yeah, no, well, that's probably right for well. It's, to, <laughs> it's because it, as an object, signifies what you want your future to be. And that's a really interesting symbol. You wax it up and the smell, and I tell you, they've done studies on uh, patients with dementia and they give them certain smells that try and help them trigger uh, memory patterns and they'd still do. It's the, it's the one thing that we never lose no matter how demented we, we get, is this, this old factory, this um, smell receptor, a memory that comes with smell. And we all are surfers. There's not a surf on the planet that can't empathize with that. Oh God, yeah. And you wax it up and it's that new wax and it's this, oh, just hitting your nose. Because it really is a symbol. It's a symbol of, this is what I want my life to be. This is what I've invested in. It, was it in, my, in, in, in a brand new car with now massive monthly payments, which is going to mean I have to work twice as hard? No. And if that's what you want to do, then fine. I'm not judging that either. But it's, it's no, no. I forked out a fair bit of this because I think it was really funny with a lot of people. They go, yeah, surfing, surfing. Yeah, that's a hippie sport. Yeah, you just, oh, yeah. But, you know, 
couple of couple of hours working a week, you know, scratch a living, go surfing. Great. You then go to buy a surfboard and people go, okay. <laughs> so you could, they're not that cheap, but it's, it's the, it symbolizes what you want your future to be. I think that's a really, well, look, I'm an old hippie. So I'll say, you know, you don't, you, 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 you can make it affordable, but your point, well, is right. You, what you're buying mm. is a key to the portal. Yes. Of the here and now. Oh. And, uh, uh, and connection with something that is so bigger than you, but is still energy and vibration that moves you along. And it's, it's, it's frivolous, but it's just, if you haven't experienced it, it's very, very hard to understand what, what sometimes somebody's trying to explain to you. You get that glazed look where you say, but it's this, this, this. <laughs> try it. And, the, and when people try it, now that could be, you know, my kids, one of my kids loves body surfing, right? the Kalani Latanzi style fins and a hand plane. And that you are so immersed there oh, man. in, in that, that eat me out for hours and hours just doing that. And it's like connection with something that is giving you that momentary, especially in this busy, chaotic world that we're in the moment of, ah, oh, this is it. <laughs> Not everything else that surrounds it. So you're, you're, you're buying a, a ticket to ride. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking absolutely you are. And I, I, I borrow this word from you because it's a word you have used a lot, which I love, which is fr- frivolity. Yeah. And the power is the frivolity of it. And the frivolity of it is the power. When you surf and you get into surfing, you're doing it so much because you're reminded of what is important in life. And it's not the stuff you thought was important. It's, it's the stuff that can release this ego, this forever kind of mind that's just, oh, oh, what if this and what if that and oh, struggle and trying to create control on everything and da, 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 da. And what do they think of me? And we do all these thoughts, 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 thoughts. But then when you are immersed in that, the, the, the pureness of it, and not all surfs, let's, <laughs> let's be really honest here. You know, it's very easy to get all spiritual about surfing, but Christ almighty, the, the physical realities of a, of a gnarly paddle out or a difficult, you know, surfer in the lineup or, or an old injury or whatever can make you can definitely bring you back down to earth. Yeah, because it's life. Because that's life. But there are also the surfs that we and it, and we reach we we reach for them. We set our goals around them because we go okay. Well, what you know? What, what, why am I doing my training? Why am I doing my diet? Why am I doing everything um, in my life? It's so that I can touch that feeling. And in a way, it's it's like the name of the um, the Andy Irons uh, documentary that Bruce Irons helped produce, I believe. That had, was was talking about Andy's life. Yeah, what was it called? Touching God. Touching God. I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's that's kind of what we're after. Well, it, I was going to say there's there's a lot of like there's an there's a there's a sort of interweaving often of sort of at least Eastern or Zen Taoists and Buddhist philosophy with surfing, and 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 in, and in some ways I think it is because it's easy to draw the parallels, but it's like easy to draw parallels of, with life. We often say like surfing's life, life is surf, and all that. But the the idea that there's a and, 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 and the Dharma wasn't, they didn't really talk about it. Suffering is a sort of interpretation. It's a Western interpretation of what was trying to be explained. But really what it was is, a, it, it, um, uh, when I've read about bits of this, is that the, it's kind of, it's, a, it's, it's meant to be a difficult-ish path. It's a, you know, it's a realistic path to, let's call it in inverted commas, enlightenment or in, uh, 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 being awake and the, the, the Buddha being the enlightened one. And what surfing does is it puts you through that path of steps towards learning to go through the right steps to learn about the next phase. And each phase gives you something that you want to get that beats you up a little bit. And the thing that's on the other end, and it's on each 
almost each end of this bit of learning are periods of like enlightenment, right? Mm. Surfing enlightenment. I'm, I wouldn't want to sort of upset any of our sort of Buddhist listeners, but you, you get where I'm going. And this is why there's so many like like we interweavings of that story uh, or that way of life because uh, the, the the sort of Buddha Buddhist life is more of a it's 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 lesser. This is what you must do and more of a, this is a good way of life. And surfing can offer that as well, right? Mm-hmm. So they sort of run parallel. I think that's where um, Jerry Lopez really came at it from and saying, this is like a shortcut to the here and now. Like I was saying, like it's a, it's a cheat code to mindfulness, basically surfing. It gives, you, it gives you access to it without years and years of deep spiritual practice. You just go in a, a one wave and you, 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 you access this little slither of enlightenment. Um, and the other thing I was going to mention that going back to that spending thing, we talk about in, in this world, don't we? Oh, we you're spending time. You spend time. Which I, I it, but if you're going to spend like this idea, <laughs> yeah, time, time doing things, then surfing is one of the best returns on investment you oh, could ever yeah. spend on. Uh, for for me, and don't yeah, like you say, sometimes you get shortchanged, <laughs> sometimes and ripped off, but sometimes. overall. You return on your investment of spending that time that yep. is so limited in water, mm. and especially in water that's throwing you a wave, is absolutely priceless. It's absolutely priceless. priceless. And so, to, so if you were on the fence about getting a new board, which might be the ticket to enlightenment. <laughs> that's what I'm going, this is where I'm going with It's this. basically just marketing juice for your other half. You might not surf, and you can sort of start creating your angles. We've all got to have our angles. If well, I, you see... See, thing is, honey, you know, this one's going to be the one. It's, that's it. I'm sort of sorted after this. Like, it's just, you know, and it's <laughs> seven months later, three months later. Or as my friend Ryan, if you're listening, Ryan, would joke, one week later. <laughs> <laughs> I see on the bank statement, He's, there's yes. a new surfboard. Uh, uh, yeah. Excuse me. I think you'll find that that should say ticket to enlightenment. Thank you. It's all about the angles. This is going to help me feel enlightened, honey. And that's going to help you because you're going to be happy because I'm so happy. And it makes everyone happier as a result. So we're going to become also more successful as well and healthier. So it's a win-win-win. Let's buy a new surfboard. True, true. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review? The more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. Moving on, segment number two, bit of mindfulness. Take a breath in through your nose. And breathe out nice and slowly. And then breathe in through your nose again. And breathe out. And take another breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And then one last one. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Hold your breath at the top. And just take in your surroundings for a moment. Just de-stress for a little bit. Breathe in through your nose. And breathe out nice and slowly. So I had to walk my talk before my holiday. I don't think we rec- we recorded before I went away. Or did we? We did. We did our 100th episode. Bang. 
And had I injured myself at that point? Your ankle was giving you a little bit of jip. Oh, so that was giving me some jip. Yes, yes. But, yes, this is coming back now. This is coming back. That night, aha, I surfed because we recorded Friday. Right, yeah. Here we go. Lots to talk about. That night, I had a wicked surf. The best my ankle has felt for ages. Right. Let's do it. Let's go. Next morning, because remember, this is all coming back now. You went away because there was a big swell the next morning. So we're kind of, that's like, felt like the warm up right next day. Ankles a bit stiff and okay, you'll be fine. Would you, you know, like, like the previous day, just, just surf. It, it seems to be really good for it. You know, it get, just gets it mobilized, gets it moving. Um, and of course, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I, I, I didn't know at the time that the signals coming from ankle were, were, were that now it needs rest. So I, I put in work on the slightly weaker injured area. Now it needs some rest. It's a little bit swollen. I'm thinking, okay, but did I? Did I? Fuck, because the swell was there. And that is one of the challenges that we're facing as surfers is sort of have this body that's saying X, uh, but our, mind, our motivations might be Y, as in we still want to go in and have that fun, but the body might be saying, just chill, have rest. So I didn't. <laughs> I went in and it was pumping. Like it was properly pumping. And I had a couple of waves and the ankle felt okay. No big deal. Right, carry on. And then I had one wave where my knee gave way. And I've had knee issues. I've had um, an ACL reconstruction from playing rugby and I've had cartilage removed from both sides of the uh, meniscus and, and, and various things. So I've had, to have some, had some journeys to be had on this, this right knee. But the, if I had to have it buckle in and make a like a crunching, popping feeling sound was very, very, very nerve wracking. So I paddled back out with this, with this, what can only be described as sort of like a gut wrenching, like flip flop in the stomach. Like it's like when you, you have that do, sense of doom, it was like that. So I just breathed in, breathed out. And I went right to my practices, right? Just breathe in and breathe out. Cause my mind is flying at this point about ACL, about MCL, about all kinds of uh, lig ligaments that I might have torn. Start moving it around. Okay, it's kind of all right. Maybe I'll, I'll try and stretch it a bit and move it around. Okay, it's okay. I've still got the adrenaline there. Still, my heart's still pounding, but I thought I'll try a couple of ways just to, oh, right. I had a couple of ways. Fine. It wasn't great. Yeah. But I was surfing. So in order to be surfing, I knew I hadn't done major damage and I was sort of doing a few gentle turns and da da da. Had a few more waves, went in. It was time to lick my wounds and I, and I went in. And then the next day or that night, even, I was, it was in a lot of pain all around the sort of inside of money, which is where your medial collateral ligament is, your MCL. And it was five or four days out from my holiday. So I just went, right, well, look, I, best I can do is go and see an osteo and so on and so forth and maybe uh, just kind of hobble around on the holiday and hopefully at least just be able to walk because even walking was really bad. Not thinking at all about surfing at that point. Because you, you, you're surfing, you think it's at least four, five, six weeks away yeah. from doing that. Um, and it would, would have been potentially my first ever true break from, from the waves, it, it, which, is, which is great. For an 18-year surf career, I've never really had a proper break from, from surf. Knock on, knock on wood. I've stayed pretty healthy. But um, I then, I went, right, I'm going to go straight to keto. Keto diet, we talked about many, many, many times for anti-inflammatory purposes. Went straight to keto, got on the holiday, things are going well, and results are coming along. Just steady, coming along, steady, steady. And, but I'm like, mm, it's sore. Like, this is just, 
And what is staring at me in the face is zero carb. I know it is. I've done it six or seven or eight, nine times now. Not just low carb, but but carnivore. So zero carb, and you get you you, you know one hundred percent of your foods from just steaks and salmon and eggs and butter and things like this. And I was hobbling, so I was genuinely hobbling still on day seven of the holiday, day day eight, and it was a twelve day holiday. And there was a little bit of surf starting to come in later in the week. I thought. Mm, don't know. Um, 48 hours after starting Pure Carnival, I took my foamy down to the beach and the waves were about three, two, three feet. And I thought, oh God, they look really nice. And it was pushing tide, big old tide. It was maybe going to go to four feet. I thought, I'm going to go in, I'm going to boogie board. And that was the first thing I wanted to share today. To anyone listening to this show who's ever been injured or who's ever been impaired too or paralyzed or whatever else, or had an amputation or whatever it might be, the empathy that I had was so exhilarating because the first few waves that came, I just rode on the nose of my board, holding the rail and the hoot that I let out, just just to be in the water, getting waves on that pure level, I wasn't thinking at all about performance. All I was doing I was on my foamy. <laughs> I was on this 7-0. Talk about big boogie board. But I didn't want to do fins to hurt my leg. I wanted to just do boogie boarding on a surfboard and just do it, just to be in the water. And it was so much fun. So much fun. And then I did not walk my talk. If I was training someone who'd had what I just had and they said, oh, I did some stand-up surfing, this is. <laughs> After that, I'd be like, dude, you absolute idiot. Because you just could have, anyway had a relapse or whatever. And then, and then I just, I did, the waves were so good. I just thought, I'm just going to get up. So I got up, I started moving the board around thinking, ooh, wow, this is surprising. Why, this doesn't hurt. Moving it around, right? Another turn. Okay, there's a cutback, right? Another cutback. And I was in the water in the end for about an hour and a half straight, 15, 20 waves in shorts, no pain. Weird. Okay. Next morning, pumping waves, no pain. Next day, no pain. Day after that, end of my holiday, another little wave, very little pain, no pain. Stability feels amazing. Strength feels great. Yada, yada, yada. Start to do carb refeeding when I got back from holiday. So I'm thinking, right, the pain subsided now. So let's start refeeding carbs and go from there. Bit of rice. Oh God, that feels great. Inflammation starts coming back and I'm nowhere near where I, where, where I was, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Since COVID, I think a lot of people's health has been challenged in more interesting ways than ever before. And that's not to say people, you'd cast yourself, oh, I, I then have long COVID. I wouldn't then say I have long COVID. But what COVID has done is it has indeed changed the way that my body deals with inflammation and, and, and certainly deals with how inflamed I get from, from eating carbs. So whereas before I used to do these carnivore phases to reduce inflammation to help me surf better and feel better, now it is an integral part of my lifestyle. Without carnivore, I don't even know what I would, I'd get pretty upset, I think. I, I would end up just probably boogie boarding a lot, which is fine and lovely, but I really want to stand up surf. And so it was a just crazy lesson again in, guys, if you listen to this and you're struggling with anything, um, something, things can shift pretty quick in any, in any area. Whether it's, whether it's an injury or, or, or a business thing or a relationship thing or a surf thing, whatever it might be, things can shift quicker than you realise sometimes. Well, nothing, 
That's that's why surfing is such a metaphor for life, isn't it? Because nothing's forever. Good times come, bad times come. Good times come back, bad times come back. And then the cycle repeats and you just, you know, got, got the sort of buddy's hat, hat on today, if you like. I'm reading quite an interesting book at the moment, like very, some, some bits in there about this. And it's it's that the inevitability of the what will happen, you know, the just what is, the truth of it. Great, yeah, flat, waves, flat again, waves. Good health, injuries, good health, injuries, illness, repair, recover. But there are things you can do, obviously, alongside that to minimize the, or, or rather not let your, uh, not, not let the frustrations of the situation or your, your view of the situation lead to like a really discontentment with things. You know, you, you, it, it's doing the things that balance it, repair it, or even approaching the situation with a different mindset or do it, you know, whatever you're, you might be doing, diet, rehabilitation, mindset. All of that stuff works through the w- w- the lull to get you back so that when things do turn again, you're ready to go. And certainly when it comes to surfing, what can you do in those moments that are not great, but the, it just is? can't change the situation immediately, but you can do bits to get you to a point where that's left me. It was almost like I had this, I didn't tell you before the show actually, but it was a sort of metaphor for things will get better was I've had this in in my left eye. My left eye screwed anyway because I got whacked uh, and tore my retina quite a few years ago. So, you know, things happen in there and I'm like, oh, well, at least it's that. <laughs> but for a while I've had this like uh, something quite gritty. Feel, like it, it's felt like I've had something in my eye for a long time. Quite low level, but just irritating enough for about a few months. And then this week while I've been away at work, I thought, oh, it's a sty. I've got, it's now developed into a sty. It's right at the front. And it's big enough that every time I blink, it scratches my eye, eye, eyeball, my cornea. So, you know, I'm walking around town, going to meetings with this sort of red eye, <laughs> uh, streaming. And, you know, e- ego takes over. It's not a good look for me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, doing, you know, I'm explaining it to people. Like, it doesn't look that bad. I'm like, if somebody says that to you, it probably does look pretty bad. <laughs> So anyway, I'm like, oh, is this ever going to clear up and see where I'm going with this? So I get home and I'm sort of whinging about it and it, because it's gone from a, a, a one out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. I'm really irritated by this. So I'm now throwing everything at it. I'm, I've sort of got hot compress and I start to work it. And eventually I sort of think, I'll just push that a little bit. I turn my eyelid up and I, I've, it, something's moving and I'm like, okay, I can get that. And this big grain of sand and stone has found its way embedded into my inside my eyelid. It must have been in there for ages and it's worked its way around. And I say this because when I got that thing out of there, the instant euphoria of release that this thing has been in there for months and has got progressively more and more irritating, but as, as, and as intense, the intensity of this thing before it left was the peak. So... It was low level, low level. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. And you know, there's this whole thing that says, you know, the hour is darkest before the the light and all of that sort of thing. I completely agree with that. This thing was so irritating that the moment it, I got rid of it. I picked it out. It's really hard bit of like stone that obviously had washed in there during a surf or something. It's like this, the the, the sleep I had that night was was unparalleled because it's only when you don't have that low-level irritation or niggle 
that you realise what true, uh, just true benign nothingness is of health. The position of just nothing's irritating me. But we get so complacent that it takes something irritating to make you realise how good the good times really are. And it's, it's trying not to lose sight of that. If you forgive the pun about sight, but um, yeah, that was my, and it was as if something was just saying, this will pass, but you will find that at times the worst bit will be just before the thing passes. 100%. And true in every area of life. And it's like a BMX run. The jump. You've got to get this, there's this surge of energy that goes in a certain direction. Of course, it has to picks up momentum, more momentum. At the very bottom, the physics of that last surge of the G-forces at the bottom of the ramp is, is at its highest. Yeah. And then that's there to send you up. Yeah. That's how it works. So, and, and I think that's why we've got to stay so resolute in our practices of calmness because we need to rely uh, on something that's, that's real and grounding and healthy that isn't obviously whatever we can go to. Well, that's truth. And it's truth. The, so, so the depth of a truth is so calm. You were talking about this when you were t- talking about reading Eckhart Tolle again recently. W- when you read those things or you hear those things or you're in a situation where you're seeing with your own eyes the, the thing and you're accepting of that as what it is, there's a sort of serenity to it. Um, but if something is not quite right or you're uncomfortable with it or it's not your whether you're pretending to be something that you're not or whether you're doing something that's done, there's a sort of discomfort in that position. The, the, you, you, something inside you won't let you sort of settle on that. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's that deep calm of, of the truth. There you go, there you go dude. These, <sighs> these strange ailments. They, um, they have been doing the rounds uh, since, since COVID. But I think that, you know, uh, what, I, what I would, uh, I'm, I'm, Never one, and we, we, we really hope as, as a show stand for this, be one to ever recommend a diet, um, but much more so uh, just remain really mindful of um, how you're looking after your body and the mindset that's around it um, because the answers will come. Oh, yeah, don't. I mean, you stay open-minded. The answers just boop, they just pop. They come into your life. With, law, uh, with the law of least effort, they come in with, when you're making and putting in the least amount of effort, but you happen to just spontaneously read something, listen to something, hear someone do something like with your eye or whatever it might be and, and, and pop, bang, there it is. And it can happen very, very quickly. It often does. Yeah, and, and, and you, know, you always have to come to the realisation yourself. This, of course we wouldn't sit and tell people. This is as far away as telling people what to do, you know, kind of complete just Same. preaching of advice. It's an exploration of things that you and I work on ourselves and hopefully encourages people to look within there you go. to improve themselves that's that's a great way of putting it absolutely um segment number three we've kind of covered it mind body stoke things liam and i've been doing with the mind and body to raise the stoke um i just want to bring people up to date now with with the diet because i've now gone back to full carnivore in the last two days hey presto pains down by 50 percent again it's 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 a bit it's a bit crazy um but really cool crazy because what the fuck? It's just food. You know, we have these crazy, I say crazy, be careful to use that word. We have these really understandable, let's be honest about this, attachments emotionally to food. Um, especially for that average Joe or Jane who has a pretty hard time of it. 
in terms of work, in terms of kids, in terms of whatever they've got going on in their lives, where food is just, other than surfing, and they can't surf all the time, food you can access all the time. You can go to this thing called a shop. <laughs> it's not like you can't go and hunt and gather it. You can access that joy whenever you want. And uh, so it's, 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 it's a, and listen, I'm as mindful of, of an eater as you'll meet, but God, it, there's flaws within that. You know, I get attached to rice like, boom, so quick. And why? Well, because it's so relaxing. It's so comforting. It's so delicious. <laughs> you sit there with this huge bowl of carbs. It's like, oh, life's good. This is relaxing. And then when my, my, my stoic angel sitting on my shoulder is staring at me in the face going, you know what you need to do. <laughs> And I'm ignoring it. Yeah, next day. Yeah, I'll have rice. You'll be fine. Next day. Yeah. No. And I'm ignoring this. And then when I finally do it, and I pull off the plaster and I go, me. And I feel so much better. I go, why was I procrastinating so long? That was so unnecessary. <laughs> because procrastination on the things that we know are good for us is, is you kind of go, why are we sabotaging ourselves? It's so silly. Because we're human. Because we're just fucking human. But I think what we can do... I think it's like this Wayne Dyer thing that he says is never compare yourself, obviously. And also, when you look in the mirror, ask yourself the question, am I a little bit better this week, this month, this year than I was last? And if you can honestly say, yes, you're on track, but are you going to not get attached to shit and, and do things unconsciously? Of course not. That's ridiculous. That's Even it. surfing itself, for Christ's sake, you know, when I couldn't surf for a while, did I feel viscerally my unconscious attachment to surfing yeah of course i did because i fucking love it and and i'm attached to it i rely on it you know uh i'd like to think that i don't as well like i'm mindful of like letting go of it too but <laughs> it's all well and good saying all that until you you're then in the mixer of it all and you're then going off oh, fuck yeah i i <sighs> bloody love this sport and when i can't do it i just it, it is upsetting it is basically but um which, which is why there's an element of, you know, yeah, not, don't be attached to it, but also try and access it for as long as you can by doing all of the things that you need to do to, as you say, be, can you be a better version of what you were doing a week ago, yesterday? And if you can, and you do all the practices which require, yeah, sometimes a bit of uh, short-term suffering for long-term gain, which most good things do really, is you keep yourself surfing for longer. That longevity of surfing is what we're, Probably if you listen to this, we're all chasing. Can I surf when I'm 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 80, 90, whatever, you know? I, I completely agree. And actually, if you want to sum up our show, I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think, I think you, you literally have just hit the nail on the head. You know, if you're in your 20s, do you want to be surfing in your 30s? If you're in your 30s, do you want to be surfing in your 40s? If you're in your 40s, do you want to be surfing in your 50s? And just on and on and on and on, because we just want to keep going. You're in thri thrive mode or survive mode? Are you thriving or surviving? Yeah. And you still progressing to. Yeah. You progressed more in the last two years than you did when you were in your late 30s. Always, on, every, on lots of things. On loads of things. So that's exciting. And I'm the same. I had I think a thought while I was driving over here thinking, you know, if only, because you, 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 you do bits of it, obviously, don't get me wrong, I, I, I was always trying to do things. But I think, oh, did I waste some of those? Did I waste some of those years? Did I waste a youthful uh, growth hormone and not getting as fit as I could have got, as fit as I could have been. But then you can't look back because it's only in those experiences and those learnings that you where you are today. And the only reality actually that even exists is where you are 
right here and now. That's the, that's the only reality. So much of what motivates you today is how you were. Yeah. And if you weren't how you were, well, how could, how could you be how you are today? Yeah, true. This doesn't work. So, but mind and body, come on for you. Any, any dietary tweaks, any training tweaks? Well, a training, I, I think I'll t- touch on this a little bit because, you know, s- s- surfing relies on um, waves or access to the wave pool and all that sort of stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working as last few episodes, I've been saying, you know, they're trying to balance that work, work and surf and, and maintain this life of pursuing uh, health and, and wellness in the surfing world uh, is, is really important to me. But um, as, as people know, I, my kids do surf lifesaving and I'm, I kind of help with that. And I've tried to sort of, you know, I'm reasonably fit, but I want to, especially as my eldest gets re- re- really fit, kind of keep up a little bit more with training and especially winter training. So I've been doing a lot of prone, for, for those that don't know, it's, re- it's, it's kind of rescue race board, uh, prone paddling, really. You lie on a board that's, you know, the race boards are like 10-6 and they're, they're pretty streamlined. And um, I actually bought this cool board for, where he, he, he'd earned some money as well, my, my, my eldest boy, which is really good to see, and bought this um, um, Ocean Perf race board from... Um, um, a guy down in Portreath, which is who who's a surf lifesaving champ, guy, a guy called Piran Phillips, and uh, typical thing, you know, you buy kit for your kids or you help them buy kit, and then you spend most of the time on it yourself. <laughs> so thanks to Ocean Perf for making this great board, I've I've been out, especially because it's been flat but beautiful sunshine recently. I've been out getting fit and paddling as, as far and as fast as I can go um, on this race board, and that's been good discipline because usually I'm I'm looking at the sea and thinking I oh, should I go for a sea swim it's flat I can't be bothered whereas this thing is somewhere in the middle you get you get that sort of instant I'm well out to sea so you've got that kind of serenity you still kind of feel like you're doing something paddling and you you the speed you start to travel at is 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 really quite fun as well you know relatively so that's been my that's my new fitness hack along with a little exercise snacking. I love it. I recommend anybody, you know, so if it's flat, get out and have a paddle. Get the traps working. Get the traps working. What I would be tempted to get is a, they're made by, the the one my brother had was called a Bark, but it was a- Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, it's a top, top brand, all carbon, all this kind of jazz. Not cheap. About 400,000. They're ridiculous. (laughs) And he had one, I don't know if he still has it, but it had the, the, the proper bow yeah, front yeah, to cut through the water. But it was a... They're a real ocean-going. Really ocean-going. And, and it also doubled as a prone or stand. Stand paddle, So you yeah. could stand and get a paddle and do stand-up yes. paddle. Yeah. Like, like open ocean, yeah. not, not waves. Um, and that, I looked at it, I thought, God, that'd be fun. It's one of those ones where... Well, if Bark ever listening, we, we both like to have, Bark, a, have a go on those. We, we don't mind. Send us some stuff. Please do. I know Matt Barlis is uh, sending us a shipment of, what did we, he said, oh, we could have a, a thousand free puddle jumpers or something. <laughs> Didn't you say that, Matt? If you, are you listening? <laughs> something? Are we, how, how many people have we got to kill for that? I can't remember. <laughs> we got to kill something like, we got to kill Al Merrick. Because we all know he's ahead of the, we, uh, we, oh, head we, of the mafia. We, we, we got no, to kill Brit Merrick, um, Pukas. <laughs> I can't remember. We got to burn down a few warehouses. Isn't that right? <laughs> hey, boys. You boys, it's Matt Barlis. <laughs> We're, we're, we're part to, of the posse. You're talking to me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, well, though, that would be great. I had, just going back, yeah, for body and just tr- training, you know, getting out and paddling is 
Oh, it's just immense. Yeah, yeah, they are really good, and and you're putting in those 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 reps. And actually, paddle fitness is it's a tricky one, paddle fitness, because unless you go surfing, it can in practicing paddling be be really mind numbing. Yeah. Um, but when you can get out on an ocean, we're very fortunate to have one right next to us where we do get waves, but not at the moment, and just go and do that. You're still getting that lovely outdoors, sunshine, elements, salt water vibe. But if you're inland, I think the best bet for paddle fitness is, is to go and get to your local swimming pool and just and get in reps. Getting, getting, getting that arm over your shoulder is what we want. Yeah. Just firing up the lats, fire up the deltoids, yeah. the triceps. And I don't think it's from weight training. I don't think weight training is ever going to necessarily improve paddle fitness that much because it's such a low resistance, high rep thing. But the one piece of equipment that every surfer could have in their home, although then again, they're not cheap, but it's a ski erg. Have you seen the ski I, ergs? I, I know what ski erg is. they are like paddling. I was thinking about that as I was on my morning paddle this morning. There you go. They're brilliant pieces of kit. We're going to get one in the gym at some point because uh, it just about fits in my gym here where I train clients. And yeah, there, there is no getting around the fact that that, that is it's a literally- lap. It's a lap burn. It's a, it's, it's, it's a cable pulling down one side and then the other side. And it, and, and it is the exact feeling of, of, of driving hard through, through a paddle through the ocean. Yeah. Um, the elastic bands work quite well as well. But I think, like you said, I think your one is great, Liam, prone paddling. Well, it's also or swimming because because part of prone paddling with 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 a race board. If you look at the, I mean, the Aussies do this very very well. Uh, those comps, knee knee paddling is is a technique, uh, and it's more difficult to perfect than than you think. But that the skier would be great for practice for the knee paddling bit. It's a really great you know to drive power through there. And um, but it's yeah, why not? Great great fun, great to be outside, and it just quietens the mind when the surf's not arrived there you go um segment number four my uh, my, not mind body so we just covered mind body so uh surf media anything that's come up for you i have finally um been watching well late to this party as i said at the beginning the hundred foot wave and i on 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 apple it's on now tv on now because i've had to buy a pass for a series that i'm watching i was like is it it's on here (laughs) so i've been watching that it's brilliant you know, I, I, I love, um, when I watch Garrett McNamara particularly, it's that sort of intensity of focus and almost uh, he can't not chase that thing. It, 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 it's, it's, it's really interesting how these characters in many areas of life that go on to conquer something that no one else has done is through some really deep, that I'm not sure whether they could even put the finger on it themselves. It's like a, a deep driver that comes from some other part of the universe. You know, to be that obsessed by one particular thing and to have the, the sort of, the, 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 the relentlessness to pull people together that allow you to conquer that, slay that dragon for yourself. That's the bit of it that I love. Um, and then putting the team together. You know, and people like Andrew Cotton, you're like, God, what? This guy has achieved amazing things and he's just the coolest, easy, he's going Dude, and that's why uh, in this thing, Garrett McNamara is saying, you know, his energy, uh, Andrew Cotton's energy, was just so good to be around for somebody like Garrett McNamara. They complement each other really, really well. So him as a as a jet ski driver and a, yeah. and, a, and, a and a surf somebody to go surfing with, just brilliant how these two characters combine. Um, I I was surprised at how big a role 
Andrew Cotton yeah. had had yeah. in McNamara's accomplishments on, on this wave. I yeah. didn't realize. You watch it and it's a very, I think the documentary really is a story about uh, friendship as much as anything else. The two of them. Yeah. And the way that, that, that they have to uh, find a way of, of basically going out and, and getting these waves together. Because it is such a team sport. And it's bloody... Big waves. Life you have to life have... You have to have a, a mate who, who will risk his life... To uh, save yours. To save yours. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and, and when you see some of the wipeouts with the jet skis, oh my goodness me. Yeah. And the thing is as well, I often wonder with people who do go into waves that large, you know, is part of their brain a bit burned? As in what I mean is, are the dopamine receptors... Because of the addictive, addictive nature of dopamine, is the rush that you get so big in those situations um, one that then imprints itself upon you where you just have to get it again and again, even in the face of, of like, look, mate, you, you're kind of done. Of course. Because I think in, in the documentary, it's just evident. He keeps yeah. getting hurt. And you're like, mate, you're kind of you're well, done. But the, but the addiction, it's addiction to that dopamine just drives him again yeah. and again and again. And it's quite fascinating yeah. seeing that. And it, it's, a, it's a brilliant documentary. Yeah. Brilliant. It, it, it really, it really is. It's nice. a true surface documentary. Here's one thing that stuck with me though. Just, I was going to mention this today. It's just come back to me from this, one of the second episodes, maybe or something. Uh, Andrew Cotty Cotton, who's uh, North Devon. He was a plumber, you know, lifeguard, a Pinkroyd plumber and, and sort of, he, he says this thing that really stuck with me and I kind of have to kind of sit on this and, and make sure that, and it's relative to what you're doing in your own life. Right. So I'm, I'm sure he would say the same thing. He said that when he was doing his job, and you know, he he loved the he loved the water, and he loved chasing these kind of highs. And talking, going back to what being the pub surfer earlier on that we started the show with, it's quite nice kind of uh, you know square in the circle of this kind of story. He 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 said he had to sort of quit and chase that dream and surf and pursue that passion because he never wanted to be the guy, that guy, almost that guy in the pub that says I could have been something. I could have been something. Now, your, whatever your could have been something is, it might just be I could surf more, I could have been a better father, I could have been whatever, is don't look back and say I could have. Actually try. And I love that bit of that, that, that show when he says that. It's going to really Super hit cool. me so deep. Super cool. No regrets. No regrets. Je ne regrette rien. Which is a great segue into Come On England. Yeah, well, or Ireland. It, or Ireland. I have to wear that green With jersey sometimes. Irish listeners, um, most of the UK. I wear my Irish jersey when it comes to rugby sometimes because they're a much better team. They are, and I'll wear my Scottish one. <laughs> Thank you, my Scott, to my Scottish <laughs> granny, because Rugby World Cup is on. Enjoy it if you're into rugby. You might be listening in California, and your team aren't in it. USA got knocked out, but if you're in New Zealand, <laughs> you might well know a little bit about rugby. Bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, New Zealand. Yeah. Um, but anyway guys thanks for having us and, and uh, we'll be back soon look forward to it see you later cheers guys Bye.